Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry sky and see your hand in time and mind to lead me through the night. Life updates. This week we'll begin from Ephesians 5. I'm going to say a whole lot more than what's on that outline. So that's just for you to make some notes on or to refer to later or to review as you listen again online to this message. From Ephesians 5, the Bible says this, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. So the old state is foolishness, and Paul is saying this, update to skillful living. Update to skillful living. If you would take time at some point and read Ephesians 5 from the beginning to where we read, you would find some other things that Paul says about some other ways to live. In verse 2, he says, live a life filled with love. In verse number 8, he says, live as people of light. And then we get to verse 15 where he says, live like those who are wise. So, Paul first called folks in that audience to say, you got to live like you're filled with love. Then you got to live like children of light. And then you should live like those who are wise. So he, he separates these as unique pursuits. In other words, they're not one and the same. Begin with love, move on to light, step into wisdom, if you will. And since they're unique and they appear to be progressive I want us to understand this. You and I might be living in love, but not yet living in the light. We might be living in the love of Christ and following the light that he shines before us, but we might not be yet walking in wisdom. Author Paul David Tripp observed this. It's important to remember that you can say that you believe in God, but practically deny his existence in the way that you live every day. You can declare that you believe in God, but in practicality deny his existence in the way that you live every day. And you know, for some of us hearing that, we might... Well, wait a minute, how can he say that? Well, I would ask you to consider who Paul is writing this letter to. He's writing a letter to the people in Ephesus. If you go to the beginning of the book, it's not just the whole town of Ephesus. He's writing to those who are attempting to follow Jesus Christ. He's writing to those who have an understanding of Jesus Christ. These folks had their uh, had all of their 
mistakes removed from God's memory. They had repented. They had turned from their previous way of living, their previous goals. They had been baptized, had their mistakes removed in God's eyes. And as New Testament followers, they had been empowered with a portion of God's Spirit living within them. They had received the gift of the Holy Spirit that the Bible tells us about. And Paul's writing people that had already experienced those things. They had already decided, I'm not following the course of this society. I'm going to follow Jesus. They'd already made that decision. They had already decided, I want all of my errors and my faults from my past to be washed away in God's eyes, and they had been baptized in the name of Jesus. They had recognized, I can have a portion of God's Spirit living within me to help me to serve Him and to do what's right. And they'd already experienced that. Yet, (laughs) Paul's writing them a letter. Listen, I want you to know something. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. You know, I got to tell you, that's tough. That's, that's pretty bold language. You think, man, I've come a long way, preacher. Paul, you preached to us. You told us about salvation, following Jesus Christ. And Paul says to them, don't live like fools. Now, some of them might have said, hey, I'm living in the love of Jesus. He recognized that. He still said, don't live like fools. Some of them may have said, I am following the light of Christ. He shined a light in front of me and I can see the right way to go. Yeah, but he said, don't live like fools. Just because you see the right way doesn't mean you're walking the right way. What's the alternative? Well, the alternative is to update to skillful living. Update to skillful living. Now, I got a bit of bad news to share before we go further. Every human needs the update. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. A youngster's heart is filled with foolishness. But physical discipline will drive it far away. A youngster's heart is filled with foolishness. We are all born with foolishness in our hearts. It's our starting point. There's the bad news. An update is needed for everyone. Foolishness. You know, I began to research, and I had this part of the series that I was writing out, and going from foolishness to skillful living was on my list, and I began to research and find this. So I'm I'm looking for a definition of foolishness. And the Bible, in the Bible, the fool is he who was thoughtless, careless, conceited, self-sufficient, indifferent to God and his will, or who might even oppose and scoff at wise instruction. Where'd you get that definition? From the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. I think I put it in your outline. Now, I don't know about you, but I read that definition and I found some familiar descriptions of things that they didn't surprise me at all. Foolishness means to be thoughtless or to live carelessly. To be indifferent to God. Maybe scoff 
at wise instruction. But there was a descriptor of foolishness in that definition that was unfamiliar to me, and and frankly, I found it a little bit offensive. said foolishness is to be self-sufficient. Anybody else kind of offended by that? Am I the only one? I'd not associated that with foolishness. So I'm intrigued. I get to dig in a little deeper, and I go into the Proverbs, and I start looking for descriptions of foolishness, and I find this, that the foolish speak and act without thinking. Okay, that was part of an assumption. I saw that earlier. But then the foolish are hasty. They're impatient. They're self-sufficient and self-confident. Look at, look at Proverbs twelve fifteen. Here's what the Bible says. Fools... Think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Fools think their own way is right. There's that self-sufficient business kind of showing its head. I read a little farther and it says the foolish overlook or ignore counsel. Too convinced of ourselves to take time for counsel. Look at Proverbs 18.2. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinion. So a foolishness is all talking and no listening, if you will. And I, I read those things and it begins to help me to understand what was in that definition, this self-sufficient aspect of foolishness. It surprised me. It caught me off guard and frankly, it, it stepped on my toes a bit. I found that the foolish despise counsel and hate instruction. Now, this next ver- Proverbs one twenty two. I will tell you that the language is offensive. At least it is to me. Proverbs one twenty two. Here's what the Bible says. How long, you simpletons? Man, really? The Bible is so direct. Will you insist on being simple-minded? How long will you mockers relish your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Man, Bible on more than one occasion, in fact, most times I read it, it steps on my toes. And I found this, that the, the Hebrew word that's most frequently used in Proverbs is translated as wisdom, it probably has a root meaning in thickness or sluggishness, suggesting a slow, self-confident person. In this day and age, we might say bullheaded. Now we can relate that all children are born in foolishness, right? Not every child is pliable. They seem to have within them that desire to do their own thing. Look at Proverbs 28, 26. The psalmist, or rather the Solomon is so direct. Those who trust their own insight are foolish. Man. Self-sufficient. How can that be foolish? Here we are in America thinking, I want to be independent. I'm going to be my on my own. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to strike out. Nobody, I'm going to have to depend on anybody. And yet, the Bible talks to us as followers of Christ. That appears to be foolish. 
by getting a sense of what the Bible's saying and how foolishness can be described as self-sufficiently. Hmm. Years ago, before any of us met, I was in an office and a man came in. He began to express to me a, a course of action that he's about to take things that he's about to do. And so I was puzzled by any solid reasoning of his choices. And so I asked him a few questions about why he was doing what he was doing and had he considered alternative courses of actions. And and he brushed off every one of my questions. Clearly, he didn't want my input. His words to me, he came into my office. This wasn't a discussion. We were, he was simply making an announcement. And so finally, I asked him this. So who do you talk to? Where do you get your advice? Who do you counsel with, I asked the man. Put his shoulders back and stiffened his neck, and he said, I take counsel with myself. Solomon, the wisest human ever, wrote these words, those who trust their own insight are foolish. Paul wrote this, anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. Foolishness. Bible teacher and author Paul David Tripp writes this, You may be asking yourself right now, what is foolishness anyway? And then he writes these words. The fool has the world inside out and upside down. The fool looks at what is foolish and sees it as wise. The fool looks at what is good and sees it as bad. The fool looks at what is false and sees it as true. Man, is that some serious confusion. Well, and I, I read that personally, and I hear that even as I say it now, I think in my mind, surely that's not me. I mean, I, I've experienced the love of Christ. I have seen the light of the Lord. Surely that's not me. But then Tripp goes on with his description, and he says this, The fool hates to be ruled by another. Well, I feel that way sometimes. The fool hates to have to stay inside boundaries. I tried to get to church today and the roads were blocked and that aggravated me. The fool lives for what is fading rather than for what is eternal. I mean, how often do I choose ordinary human stuff instead of eternal kingdom stuff? The fool looks at others as being in the way. Hmm. The fool only wants his own way. I kept reading this and I had to stop and pause and out loud, I said, ouch, ouch. The fool doesn't think he needs to learn. The fool thinks he's always right. The fool puts himself in the middle of things and makes it all about him. The fool demands to be served and hates to have to serve. Ouch. Am I the only one in pain here today? Foolishness is powerfully deceptive. 
and extremely dangerous. In fact, Solomon wrote this in Ecclesiastes 4 or 5. The fool folds his hands and consumes his own flesh. Ultimately, foolishness is not only self-sufficient, it's self-destructive. That's the problem with foolishness, is that I can't see it on my own, and I'm the one who's hurt the most. Wow, what a problematic issue in human nature. No wonder Paul clearly cautioned the Ephesians in 5.15. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Paul said that to people who knew Jesus. Paul said that to people who worshipped in song services. Paul said that to people who let tears roll down their face as they prayed around an altar. Paul said that to people who had had their sins washed away. Is everybody with me here? And even though they had a knowledge of God, they had an experience with God, Paul said, hey, y'all ought to be careful that you're not living foolishly. Instead, live like those that are wise. Wisdom. Wisdom's the outcome of careful observation, long pondering on actual life in the light of God and His Word. Wisdom is maturing in our relationship with God, walking with Him closely, perceptively, so that we are enabled to develop godly character, live thoughtfully, and make proper choices in life. Here's summoning, summarizing for our purposes today. Wisdom is skillful living. If foolishness is careless living and thoughtless living, wisdom is skillful living. That's the update. That's the update that Christ Jesus and a holy God offers to you and I, you and I, none of us have to live foolishly. He has offered an update. Skillful living. How can I live skillfully? Well, it begins with fear of the Lord. One author said this, here's the spiritual paradox that every Christian needs to understand. The only hope for a fool is the God that every fool somehow denies. The only hope for a fool is God's amazing, rescuing, forgiving, transforming, and delivering grace. That's the hope, the starting point for every one of us who's in our hearts as children, foolishness is born into. The only way out of that is God. In fact, in Proverbs, Solomon said, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It starts right there. There has to be an understanding. I am not self-sufficient. I cannot do everything on my own. I, I don't have all the answers. It begins right there when I recognize no matter my background, no matter my history, no matter my training, no matter my experience, it's not anything in comparison to the wisdom and the righteousness and the purity and the power of Almighty God. That's where wisdom begins. In Matthew, Jesus said it like this, if you're going to follow me, 
You've got to turn from your selfish ways. As the words of Jesus. Skillful living, walking in wisdom starts when I abandon my self-sufficiency, when I confess I need God. That's where it starts. And that living, I love, it says in some translations, walk in wisdom. I like the words here, it says living in wisdom. The impact is this, that wisdom is to impact my life from head to toe. One end of one hand to one end of the other hand. From when I get up in the morning to when I go in bed at night. It's a impacting and saturating my life. It is from beginning to end. There is something about that. To have the wisdom that impacts me. And that it was also an ongoing thing. Living is not just a moment of wisdom. It's not just a taste of wisdom. But ongoing I allow this to work in all. All of my life, skillful living. Second Corinthians three sixteen to eighteen. I'm going to rush through that. The bottom line is this: when you turn to the Lord, there's a veil taken away. There's darkness and blindness that's only human. When I'm just looking to my humanity, that's one way of thinking. But when I turn to Jesus Christ, when I am washed of my sins and filled with His Spirit, that blindness of just looking the human way is pulled away. The veil is pulled back. That's what the Bible says in Colossians. The Lord's the Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, all right? Holy Spirit's in me, verse 18. Then all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious Image Skillful living stays in our lives as we stay in the presence of Almighty God. As I continually surrender myself to the stirring power of a holy God. It, it redirects and more and more His glory in my life. I reflect that glory more and more. As I open myself to the glory of God, I reflect that glory more and more. The foundation of skillful living is placing God above me and keeping Him there. And keeping Him there. In all of living. Thank you, Sister Kathy. That's right. That's the hard part. This afternoon, with a little bald preacher screaming Scripture at you, maybe pretty easy. Tomorrow afternoon, when something happens in the car, in the office, in the shop, in the living room, with the spouse, with the kids, can I get a witness? Wisdom is a little more challenging in those environments. And yet, this is the opportunity that we are called to. Skillful living requires knowledge. Skillful living requires knowledge. Imagine, if you will, you got any chefs in the audience today? Got any, any chefs, any cooks, any people who like to cook? Maybe I should have started with any people like to eat. All right, get a little more participation there. 
If you're a chef, you understand how to cook. You know the taste profiles of sweet and sour and salty and bitter and all those other things. And you know how to mix and manage those things together. And you know how to integrate those. And you know how to use the utensils in a kitchen, and you understand different foods and processors, and you understand the right temperature and the right cooking times, and you understand all of the different dishes and their outcomes. You know what? All of that understanding is useless without food in the cupboard. All of that is understanding is useless if you're standing in a garage with auto tools instead of a kitchen with kitchen utensils. All of that understanding of how to do these things isn't going forward without the materials, the substance that's needed in order to prepare a meal. You can't cook without a stocked kitchen. A, a chef must have those things available. Likewise, we should understand living skillfully isn't going to occur and it can't improve without knowledge. If you and I want to live skillfully, then we truly want to be more successful in our lives. We've got to increase biblical knowledge. That's what has to happen. Knowledge is the pots and pans of skillful living. Knowledge is the spices and the utensils of skillful living. Knowledge is the substance for skillful living. It's the material that we need. To a different congregation in Colossians 3.16, Paul wrote this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Allow it. Welcome it. Embrace it. Not just a taste of the word of Christ, but richly, fully, saturated, powerfully. Updating to skillful living is going to happen when we see God's word, when we see this material as necessary in our lives. Here's the thing. Some of us keep making the same mistakes over and over again because we're not getting any new material. We only know how to cook one dish. I don't care how skilled you are as a chef. In fact, I believe there is a show where chefs compete and they're given a basket with just five materials. Of these five or six materials, what can you make? Oftentimes, with three or four competitors, they come up with the very same dish. Because with those certain ingredients, even with all the skills you have as a chef, you're only going to make certain things. And to get a different outcome, to get a different meal, to get a different dinner, you need different spices, you need different proteins, you need different vegetables, you need to broil it instead of boiling it, instead of baking it. Everybody with me? So you got to add, there got to be added things in order to come up with different outcomes. And that's what happens in our lives. We think, I've got these three bits of knowledge in my life, and if I keep trying over and over again to use those three bits of knowledge, somehow I'm going to get a different outcome. It doesn't work that way. 
Wisdom only increases in our lives as we add more knowledge, as we gain more input, as we glean more material in order to prepare something different, something new, something needed. Got to add knowledge in order to live skillfully. It requires it. Living skillfully requires understanding. Paul wrote this in Ephesians 5.17, Don't live like fools, live like those who are wise. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understanding. Paul's readers, they didn't lack for instruction. Their lack was in understanding and application. So let's turn the analogy on its reverse. If I walk into a kitchen that is absolutely stocked, every utensil, every food processing device, got a big commercial deep freeze kitchen, got a freezer, refrigerator deal, every cupboard is filled, every pantry is filled, every spice you could think of and design, every, every kind of protein, every kind of vegetable, I'm talking about the ultimate stocked kitchen. But if I go in there and I have no idea how to use a knife, how to heat up a stove, how to turn the stove on, you with me? I could eat all the raw stuff you want, but I'm not cooking nothing if I don't know how to. If I haven't been exposed to putting the materials together and using them, listen, the same is true. You could have this Bible memorized cover to cover. You could have the knowledge, but if you don't have the how-to, useless. No application. No putting it to use. We've got to have the understanding. Paul said there's got to be understanding. Living skillfully requires we understand what to do with the knowledge we've gained. It requires application. Let's go back to Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Look here. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Teaching and admonishing one another. Word of Christ dwelling richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. This isn't just sharing facts and data. This is sharing application and practice. This is helping each other discover how the Word of God is useful day to day. Here's what teaching and admonishing one another is. It's a current chef, a successful chef in the kitchen, helping a new chef to discover how to cook with the spices and the ingredients and the utensils that fill the cupboards. Here's an experienced chef saying to the sous chef, I'm going to show you something different about this entree. Let me show you how you can add these spices. Let me show you how if you season at this stage instead of that stage, you'll get a different outcome. That's what the teaching and admonishing of one another is. Well, preacher, I don't need any other chef to help me. I'll just read all the recipes 
for myself. Hmm. When I say those words, I don't know about you, but I hear some self-sufficiency in my voice. I hear some, I can do this on my own business. Solomon reminded us this, Proverbs 15, or 12 and 15, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. The wise listen to others. Some might say this, well, you know what, preacher? I listen to God. God talks to me. I certainly believe the Spirit of the Lord can speak to people and impress people and give us understanding. I'm not belittling that. But I am saying many of us use that statement as a way to belittle the insight of others. I don't need to hear from you. I hear from God. Well, here's what I would propose to such a person. If you truly hear from God, then certainly you would listen to his word. And his word says you should be taught and admonished from others. <laughs> if you really hear from God, this is what he wrote down. He made it sure and simple and straight. He said the wise listen to others. Well, preacher, I'll tell you what. People are fine, people are kind, people are nice, but I, I just listen to the pastor. I just listen to the pastor. And I appreciate that. As I attempt to be a shepherd of this congregation, certainly I welcome that kindness and belief in that investment. But I, too, have to surrender to the Word of God. And the Word says we can admonish and teach one another. And sometimes when we say, well, I'll just listen to the pastor, I'm making other people inferior and myself superior. When the Bible says we can listen to others. It's what the Word says. The challenges we have. Thursday evening, our faith group experienced the power of listening to others. We're studying the book of 1 Corinthians in our faith group, and last week our discussion was on chapter 7. In chapter 7, a lot of topics there, and one of the topics was marriage. So we get to talking on marriage, and Dwayne Postrick's in our group. He and Phyllis have been married over 40 year, or 50 years, right, Dwayne? And nobody in our group had been married that long, and Dwayne starts to talk about some things in marriage that the rest of us are like, oh, that's good. Oh, that, that's helpful right there. Teaching one another. In that chapter, we got to talking about believers being married to unbelievers. And, oh, Dwayne's at it again. Phyllis found God first. And Dwayne drug his feet for a while, and he talked about the challenges and the pull and the blessing and what happens in that dynamic. We learned and we gleaned. He taught and admonished us. In that chapter, we were comparing then the culture of Corinth, that city in that day, with the culture and the city of our day. And Dwayne piped up again. He said, you know what? I lived in the 60s. 
And I remember what happened then, and I'll tell you, it's what's going on and what's happening now. And folks in our group gleaned as we were taught and instructed by somebody, a chef who had been in the kitchen a while, a chef who'd been cooking in the kingdom of God, a chef who'd lived in some wisdom and had some understanding, and and in kindness and in conversation said, you might consider... That's a blessing and the power of what God allows us to do. You know why that's a blessing? You know why that's a blessing? Because every one of us can be duped by foolishness. The power of listening to others is that, Evan, unfortunately, I can't see my own foolishness. The power of being in a body of believers is being able to hear and engage and understand, being able to be challenged and asked a few questions because I don't see my own foolishness. It's deceiving. I see up is down and down is up and good is bad and bad is good. But in the body of believers, if I will allow myself to, to glean and listen, the admonishing and teaching and listening to others, there is benefit. The wise listen to others. That's what the Lord records in his word. Understand what the Lord wants us to do. Teaching by others, my being involved to teach others, is a biblical way to learn the processes of skillful living. A final thing, living skillfully requires action. Can you picture with me a top-end chef Somebody from here in the city, we got a lot of Class A restaurants in downtown Seattle. We got some decent ones here in Everett. We got some others that would probably cause us to be sick. <laughs> Let's take a Class A restaurant. Think of the best place you ever had dinner, best meal you ever had. Maybe that's at home. Maybe your spouse is the best chef you ever met. Picture that gifted and talented chef standing in the middle of a loaded kitchen. As we talked about earlier, every ingredient, everything's fresh, everything is right, every tool, every utensil, every spice, every device, there it is. You got all the understanding, you got all the knowledge, you got all the processes, and you got all the materials. But the chef says, I'm just too overwhelmed to make dinner. The chef says, I am just way too tired to cook. The chef says, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to cook. You see, this is the thing with skillful living. To leave foolishness behind and live in wisdom, in skillful living. I can't just have the materials and the processes. I have to do the cooking. I, I have to take the time. I have to be active. I have to take action on myself. In Ephesians 5.16, Paul said it this way. Make the most of every opportunity. The meaning there is buy up for yourselves time. 
you can't purchase time. It makes for a great fiction story, but you can't purchase time. We all get the same amount. It expires and you don't get it back. How in the world could the author say, buy up your time? One translation says, redeem your time. Take it back. Take control of it. That phrase is in the middle of living in wisdom. That phrase is in the middle of understanding what the Lord would have you to do. In the middle of that action is this sentence that says, buy back your time. Seize the opportunity. You've got to act on what it is that you know. You've got to put these processes into use. And can I challenge us today? Perhaps we're not living as wisely as we could because we're just not taking the time to think through some things. We're just not taking the time to look through the cupboards, dig in the back. Those cupboards are so full of knowledge that maybe there's something, there's a spice back there that I've forgotten about. Maybe deep in the freezer there's some, there's some salmon I put back in there that I forgot was back in there. Maybe back in my understanding there's some knowledge that I'd forgotten was there, but I'm not going to find it unless I take some time, unless I put in some effort, unless I do a little bit of digging. Uh, and I get back in my mind and my understanding. I remember I, I was trying to do some cooking, and I've been cooking the same recipes for a while but I remember if I'll take some time my grandma my grandpa they had this recipe and I remember the way they prepared this ham I remember the way they put together a flank steak I remember the way they did their sweet potatoes if we'll take the time And some of us aren't living skillfully. We're not enjoying the fullest of the benefits of the Word of God when we recognize the material here and we recognize the processes and the activities. We're not enjoying the benefits because we're not taking the time to act and to use and to be careful with what God has given us. Paul said, seize every opportunity. Skillful living requires us to redeem the time from lesser endeavor. Skillful living requires us to reserve time for things that matter most, that are going to last for eternity, that make the biggest difference. If we're going to acquire knowledge and understanding, we only enjoy their benefits when we seize our opportunities. To the chef, Paul would say this, come on man, cook. Use your chef's training and a stocked kitchen and cook you some dinner. Paul would say this, use biblical understanding and knowledge and and update to skillful living. For many of us, one of the biggest challenges of skillful living is other things are taking our time. One of the most challenging things is that they are not evil in and of themselves. It's not that I'm spending hours chasing down some horrible thing. I'm just chasing lots of things. 
things that really next week aren't going to matter. I was riding a bicycle with my friend the other day. We went through a neighborhood, and I said, why is it around here that you ride through neighborhoods and there'll be a nice lawn, nice landscaping, and then a jungle? And then something nice and then another jungle. Anybody else driven around town? I said, what's that all about, man? I said, I used, where I've lived in other states, I've never seen stuff like that. So many jungles. And I know stuff grows like crazy here, but he let me this insight. He said, listen, here's what some people think. I've been holed up in that house for 10 months. I got two months of sunshine. I am not spending it on that lawn. <laughs> in their view they set some priorities the priority was I'm going to live life I'm not going to mow the lawn my God I'm not preaching that we destroy our neighborhoods <laughs> but I am suggesting this some of us could make the, the definition and the decision I've been chasing this, and I've been chasing that, and I've been spending life on this, and I've been giving time to that, and at the end of the day, I am missing out on some skillful living because I haven't cut out time to really think about what matters. I haven't cut out time to consider what the Word of God says. I haven't cut out time to sit down with a veteran disciple and say, listen, Here's the ingredients I got going on in my life right now. And here's one recipe I got, and that didn't turn out too good. But I'm thinking about this other recipe. You ever use these ingredients? You ever cook with that recipe? And I can hear from another disciple to say, you know what? I've messed up that recipe a few times. Here's one I found. You ever seen this one? And that takes time. It takes my being connected enough and trusting enough to go to a fellow disciple. Well, this, this skillful living business is investing, isn't it? Now, at the end of this outline, I've given a bunch of seize the opportunity questions. Things to think about, things to consider, things about living. And in that outline, I didn't give any suggestions for answers. And in my conclusion, I'm not going to either. It's not my job to provide answers to everybody every week. It's my job to ask some good questions to hold up the material book and to provoke some interaction one to another. So I'm ornery today. Y'all read through those questions. You think through those things and you have some conversations and listen to one another. Talk to one another. Let me encourage you this way. In the book of James chapter 1 and verse 5, the Lord says this, or James writes this, if any of you lack wisdom, ask of God. 
Can I tell you this? If there's areas in our lives where we want to be more successful, we want to live more skillfully, the starting place is prayer. The starting place is prayer. And we will start that way right now. Lord Jesus, mighty God. Your word today is especially challenging. I know, Lord, you're the great creator. You formed us. You made us. You breathed life into us. If anyone knows what's best for us, you do. We believe that. We trust that, Lord. Yet this update, this challenge, this direction, Lord, is, is really provoking to many of us, particularly to me. God, I pray, O oh Lord, that you would speak and minister into every mind and heart, me chiefly. I pray, Lord, that your spirit, O oh God, would overwhelm and Lord, minister into minds and hearts across this room, Lord, and to those who would listen later. I, I pray, God, that you would, Lord, as your word, verify, validate. We find in your word that if any of you lack wisdom, we can ask you, and Lord, we're asking. Help me, O Lord, in my gaining of knowledge from your word. Lord, lead and direct me to portions of scripture that will give me insight, God. Help me to connect, Lord, with fellow disciples, Lord, with those that have understood and experienced and can be a blessing and a help to me. Furthermore, Lord, help me to be aware of others. Help me to be conscious, O Lord, that you have called me to share the recipes you've taught me. You've called me, Lord, to invest in others and to help others and to encourage others and to inspire others. Lord, help me to be available, not just to be one who talks and listens, but to share and to receive and to give. Lord, we pray this prayer not just now, but day by day, week by week, Month by month, year by year. Lord, that we would live skillfully in this world for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Can you say, in Jesus' name? Now let me leave you with this. Is nobody living skillfully 100% of the time? No one should walk out of here and think, my God, I'm a ripping failure. Where are the fool signs? I want to put one on. Nobody leaves that way. But everybody recognizes the Lord has called us to an update. To something better, something more beneficial, something more helpful. Amen? You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series, or join us online at livingfaithministries.church.